what are we doing here? Why, why am I recording? <laughs> I told you guys on the Facebook group that I wasn't going to record, and yet here we are. I told you that I had a lot of stuff to do, a lot of homework to do, because Winterfest was this last week, and I was off on Monday, and I was tired until like Wednesday, and so I was basically useless for like 72 hours, or I guess more. Uh, and so I was going to take a week off, and yet here we are. So this is uh, another podcast episode for Exploring Faith, Pursuing Grace. My name is Daniel Rogers, but don't really think of this as an episode. Think of this as the ramblings of a lunatic, <laughs> which you probably think think of it like that already. Um, I was supposed to do an episode on the afterlife this week, but I'm going to push that forward into the week after next. And this isn't even going to be an episode. I'm not even going to mark this as a numbered thing. This is just going to be us hanging out and having a little bit of fun. Um, I do have some topics in mind that I want to discuss tonight. It is 12.08 a.m. for me. Uh, but we'll get to that here in a second. First off, a few uh, little quick orders of business. Um, some of you crazy kids still insist on sending me money. <laughs> Not many of you, just a few of you crazy kids. And I appreciate it, but I don't need it. Uh, the ministry job that I have uh, is perfectly adequate for my living situation. Now, you know, if you could like double it, you know, then we could talk. And then my wife could quit working as a teacher and she could stay home and I could cover the insurance money and all that kind of stuff. But I doubt you're going to do that. So how about just don't send me any money at all? However, if you're still you know, trying to throw, throw some passages out there, you know, the laborer is worthy of his hire or whatever, then yeah, send me a dollar or $2 for coffee. You can do that through cash app, uh, dollar sign, Daniel C as in Christopher, R as in Rogers, two zero one one. I will not deny it. And if you do that, I'll just send you whatever podcast episodes I have recorded already in a link. Like for example, next week you would get the interview with Shane Claiborne a week early. I don't expect that out of you. I don't really even want that out of you, although I do love my coffee. Uh, but if you just insist upon it, then that's how you can do it. All right? Okay. Now, on to uh, more important topics. Do you ever just feel like you don't belong anywhere? My goodness. Isn't it so frustrating? Like, you emerge from this legalistic or whatever, fundamentalist or whatever, evangelical or whatever way of thinking. And then you're like, okay, now I'm going to go hang out with the liberals. <laughs> and then you go hang out with the liberals, and you're like, wait a minute, what? This? I thought this was supposed to be fun. I thought this was supposed to be the f freedom. I don't even fit in over here. Then you're like, now what do I do? So then you go find a different group of people to hang out with, and you're like, wait a minute, these? I don't really fit in over here either. And so then you just kind of find yourself wandering around and also wandering you know, with an O, if there's even anybody out there that thinks the way that you think. And I think that's why this podcast is so important. And it's one of the reasons why I wanted to continue it from Lee and Kevin. Now, I know that you probably may be a tiny bit disappointed that I don't have a co-host, uh, that I have a lot of solo episodes instead of you know fairly consistent interviews. But, you know, that's just what we have to work with. Uh, so here I am. <laughs> but what I wanted to do is continue the community. And I think that's the most important part is the community. That is letting other people out there know that, yes, you may feel like you're alone, but you're really not alone. Well, let me give you a for instance. 
this last weekend, as I mentioned, I went to Winterfest, and I love it. I mean, it, it is a lot of fun. Uh, United Voice Worship was there, and they're kind of one of my favorite, you know, acapella groups as of right now. You know, out of like the four acapella groups out there, uh, they're my favorite. The only four I've listened to are, uh, <laughs> well, hang on, uh, Zoe Group, what, Praise and Harmony? Or uh, what, they had that one CD, uh, Acapella Gold, you know, uh, There's a Light shining from the window or something, some guys standing on some street on the street making music with their voices, singing that good old harmony. We don't need no strings or guitars or no instruments to use. Because, buddy, if it sounds good to me, it'll sound good to you. It don't sound good to me because I'm terrible at singing, but you get the idea. Okay, so wait a minute. Uh, that group, Acapella Gold or whatever that CD was called, um, what did I say? Brothers 4? Anybody listen to those guys? Tom Holland was in that quartet? That's crazy. Uh Listen to a bunch of Dinah singing CDs, Zoe Group, I think I mentioned. I have a few FFA Quartet CDs I listen to from the Eider FFA Quartet of like 2007. <laughs> it's pretty good. Um, and then uh, United Voice Worship. I like them. I dig them. The beatbox threw me off a little bit. I thought it was a drum machine because it sounded so awesome. And yet here we are. They're one of my favorites. I, I like them a lot. But anyways, so they're there. That's cool some good speakers there there was one speech on the trinity that was really cool but then there were some things that'd be peppered in there every now and then like uh, there's one comment about an airplane to hell and i was like i don't know i don't i don't know if i really like that too much <laughs> i mean who would like an airplane to hell but you know what i'm saying it's like eh, that kind of rubbed me the wrong way and not rubbed me the wrong way in okay we can agree to disagree which you know, we can agree to disagree. I don't think these guys are like lost or whatever. But it rubbed me in the wrong way in the sense that this seems like it's the same system that I was working under before I started to change my mind. It may be just a little bit broader than what I was under before. Aha, broader. He said the key word. Narrow is the gate. Straight is the way which leadeth into life, and few there be that find it. But broad is the gate, and wide is the way. <laughs> yeah, so he said broader. He's going to hell. No, oh, yeah, whatever. Um, get out of here. <laughs> I told you this wasn't a podcast episode. Um, you know, it's no, it's like it's like it's the same system. There's a little bit, a little bit more freedoms, but it's the same system. So it's like this isn't even. I don't even find this all that helpful. You know what I mean? And I know it is helpful to certain people living under certain circumstances and, and to people. So some people, uh, the evangelical world is like complete freedom to them because they're coming out of, you know, a, a, a kind of documentary you'd watch on Netflix about cult leaders and we're the only ones going to heaven kind of thing. You know what I mean? And so yeah, that's what they've come out of. So of course that's going to feel like freedom, but to me, it still feels like the same system, the same rules are in play, the same, vocabulary words the same it's the way you carry yourself it's just like some of that stuff makes me feel like i don't really belong there and i know that i do belong there because that's my christian brothers and sisters in christ and because all things belong to me as paul told the church at corinth whether paul or apollos or cephas or things present or things to come or life or death or principalities or powers or angels or whatever all things are yours and all things are mine. I know that I belong there, but sometimes I feel like, my goodness, I thought this is where I would find my people and I'm still feeling 
like they're my people, but they're not my people. You know what I mean? And I was talking about this to a few friends that were there who who felt the same vibe. So I'm not a crazy. I'm not. I'm not crazy by myself. I might be crazy, but I'm not crazy by myself, right? And it's like, yeah, they felt the same thing. Like, ah, this is quite. We're almost there. This is this is about it, but it's not exactly what we're looking for, you know. And I'm gonna go to Winterfest every year. I mean, it's a blast. But there, there's just something. There was something there that was like, ah, goodness, it's like almost. What's missing though? What is it? You know. But the kids love it. The kids love it, and I'm glad they do. Uh, and I think some of them sense that same thing too, to an extent, which maybe everybody does in every situation. I don't know. Maybe that's the problem. Although, although there have been times when I felt like, okay, this is it. These are yes, I'm home. One of those times, and probably the only time that I felt that, leading up to 2018, 2019, when I was about 25 years old or so. Uh, by the way. <laughs> By the way, my book, How a 25-Year-Old Learned, he wasn't the only one going to heaven, talks about this exact thing right here. Um, it was church camp. N- not all of church camp, mind you. Not sitting around uh, ganging up on the one Baptist guy, convincing him he needs to be rebaptized for the sixth time. No, I'm talking about those moments in church camp where they give you the freedom, go do whatever you want to do. Go, go play basketball. Go sit around and uh, try to flirt with people to invite them to the senior banquet, whatever. And you don't do those things. What you do instead is you go to the canteen. You sit around that little corner that's like, you know, here's the road going towards the lake and the guy's hill and the basketball courts. And the other way goes to the director's hut. And then, like, the swim pool's back there. But you're sitting in that little corner next to the ball field where you just came from the ball field devotional. And the road that, like, you know, there's a right turn that goes – past that bridge where you always jump over the gap. <laughs> so we always did. We always jumped over the little creek there, which is probably like sewage runoff or whatever. But you jump over it, and there's kids like catching lizards. But anyways, you sit in that little corner, and you sing worship songs for as long as they let you until they force you to go to bed. And your throat at the end of the week is so sore, but that's heaven. There it is. That's heaven. Oh, my goodness. It's just the best. You just feel like you belong, and nothing else in the universe matters. That's why every time I get around a campfire, I'm like, let's sing. We got to sing because I'm trying to recreate that moment, and it's so hard to find. It's so hard to find because in those moments, you're not worried about pitch. You're not pulling out your pitch pipe. You're not trying to keep the beat with your hand, you know, chop the karate chop in the air. You're just in the moment singing with your brothers and sisters, and it's just so – there's just something so divine so sacred about that moment right there. And every now and then I find these. Oftentimes I find these like on the hiking trail. I got a friend named Ben. He's 74, 75 years old. He's a retired Episcopal priest and probably like literally the most liberal person that I know. I don't mean liberal as in he uses instruments when he worships. I don't mean liberal in that he, you know, whatever, has a woman pastor. I mean liberal in the sense that like by the, the you know the strictest theological terms he would be considered you know classically liberal in how he views inspiration of scripture and how he views the trinity and things like, things like this and yet these moments with him in the in the woods just hiking and just talking uh, about scripture despite our differences it's like man that's there's something sacred about that you know or the times when i'm out hiking by myself 
or hiking with somebody. And those moments are just so, so sacred. And that's when I really feel at home. You know what I mean? Do y'all have that? How do we, how do we capture that and put that into a building on Sunday? Can you even do that though? Like, is that too routine? Is that too manufactured? Is it possible to capture that within an hour? How do we make that space so sacred? You know what I mean? I don't know. So much of so much of what we do seems so forced. It just makes you not feel at home. See, when we left Winterfest, and then we went back to the cabin, and we had the privilege of of baptizing these four friends. We had this game we played with the yarn, and you give somebody a compliment, and you toss it over, and then they toss it to somebody else, and you have this big spider web of yarn. Man, that felt so perfect in that moment, you know? That was one of those the sacred spaces. How do you capture those? How can you reproduce that? Is it even reproducible? <laughs> Which I guess it is, because we sung those songs at church camp every year. It's easy to schedule a hike. But there's just something about that. What is it? Is it the vulnerability? Is it the not putting on a show? You're not trying to please anybody. You're just doing it. You're just enjoying each other's company. Is that what it is? Oh, gosh, I don't know. Which I guess I guess this brings me to the whole question of authenticity. Authenticity. Yeah, I have a friend who I imagine would like to go through with something, but every time a situation arises where she can go through with it, she feels fake in that moment because she feels like it's forced. And so I wonder if (laughs) just the way that we market Christianity makes people who are seeking authenticity feel like frauds because it's like expected of them to behave in that way. Do you know what I mean? Like take, for example, baptisms at church camp. It's like, okay, I want to be baptized, but am I doing it just because my friends are doing it? Or am I doing it because this is actually something that I want to do? Will people look at me as if I'm just following the herd? Or is this an authentic expression of my faith? You know what I mean? And so authenticity is a big part of this, I think. And sometimes I think uh, one of the reasons why we don't feel authentic in these situations is because we have so many people looking over our shoulder or who we feel like are looking over our shoulder. For me, I've got my mom and my granddad who I feel like are looking over my shoulder, even though they're probably not. And honestly, I don't really care if they are or not. <laughs> um, I'm, I'm trying to serve God, not them, you know, but sometimes I feel like, oh, what would they be thinking about this? What would they be saying about this? And in a way, it limits who I'm allowed to be in Christ because of me holding expectations, not that I have for myself, but that other people have for me. So for example, this time at Winterfest, this last time at Winterfest, I tried to raise hands during songs as much as I could. Whenever I felt like the urge, the hint of even, hey, this is a good time to raise hands. <laughs> you know, I would raise hands. Why? That's totally uncomfortable for me. But do you know why I did it? I did it because I wanted to communicate 
to my teens and maybe the adults, hey guys, this is okay. Hey guys, when you're around me, if you feel like expressing yourself in this way, go for it. And yeah, it was weird and awkward for me to do. It's not something I was raised doing, something that I laughed at other people doing growing up. There was a guy at a nursing home that always raised hands during our songs, like we would be singing, Night with a bun pin. And he's like, two hands, goalposts, up in the air, standing up, praising God. Like, come on, if you can raise your hands on Not With a Bun Pinion, <laughs> you can raise your hands on any song. <laughs> but uh, anyways... We'd always make fun of that guy, you know? He probably had, like, dementia or something, and we're laughing at him. I mean, it's terrible. So anyways, I tried to raise hands to let my teenagers know that it's okay for them to raise hands, lead by example. And yet I felt, in some cases, not authentic doing that. And I knew that it was intentional on my part to send a message to my teenagers, but at the same time, it was like, is this even, is this even real? Like, what am I even doing? <laughs> you know, there's that lack of authenticity. And it feels like that's what I feel like that's what happens sometimes with people who have gifts, who undoubtedly have gifts. And when they're called on to use those gifts, they feel authentic in exercising them because they feel like they're forcing it, even though it's a gift that they have. I've got a very dear friend who is lis- guaranteed listening to this right now. Um, who is who is an awesome teacher and writer, and he is afraid to uh, you know to exercise those gifts. Got a little stage fright. That's okay. Who doesn't? You know, there's one thing out there that says that like uh, you know the fear of public speaking ranks higher on lists than much more sensible things like fear of sharks. Fear of one of those logs from a logger truck falling out, falling off the back of the trailer and smashing through your window. That's like one of my top fears. Not even joking. Uh, brain aneurysms. Uh, there's one TV show, the main character. And if you know what this is, let me know because it'll be our personal little secret. Uh, his main fears are crocodiles, alligators, and brain aneurysms. <laughs> and he's uh, with one of his friends and they're going through a swamp. And he's like, I'm out here uh, wading through you know, uh, wading through the territory, my three biggest fears. And she was like, what does brain aneurysms have to do with a swamp? He's like, oh, I mean, they can happen anywhere. <laughs> you know. Uh, anyways, so, so people are afraid of public speaking, and that's totally natural, and that's okay, but this person undoubtedly has a gift. And every time they, every time he is able to exercise that gift, people are telling him, like, dude, you're actually pretty good at this. We want to hear more from you. He's like, no, I suck. <laughs> it's like, whoa. That was a family bad word. Sorry, mom. Um, <laughs> uh, but it's like that feeling of uh, of of that imposter syndrome, you know, uh, lacking authenticity. It feels like it's forced, and I understand that. I face that a lot myself. But one thing I've had to I've had to try to teach myself is is that the joy of giving the gift trumps any personal insecurities I have, you know. I can't help by but compare myself to other people, to other preachers, to other speakers, to pastors, to bloggers, to authors, to podcasters. I judge myself all the time. But you know what? You'll be proud of me. I made a spelling mistake in a graphic for church the other day, and I've yet to fix it. And I'm a perfectionist. 
And I'm like, I'm not fixing that thing just to make a point to myself that it, don't, it doesn't have to be perfect. <laughs> that it's there to communicate a message. And if it's spelled wrong, hey, that's a-okay with me. Actually, it's not okay with me. It's eating me up inside. But I'm making a point to myself. I'm making a point to myself that perfection may not be authentic. It's okay to make mistakes. It's okay to make mistakes. We're all human here. And I think making a mistake and leaving it up there gives a little bit of humanity to the church slides. (laughs) You know what I mean? Like, maybe that's a good thing. Maybe it takes away from some of the formality. Hey, do you know that your slide is uh, misspelled up there? Yeah, I do. It's been misspelled for weeks. Oh, I know. I've known since day one. Why haven't you fixed it? Why should I? <laughs> I don't know. There's a bit of freedom there, isn't there? <laughs> oh, man. Or maybe I'm just lazy. No, that's what the devil wants me to think. Anyways. So there's all these thoughts in my head about not feeling at home, lacking authenticity. I just I couldn't get out of my brain over the last couple of days, and it felt like it was something I wanted to share with you guys. Let's get into something else. Ooh, do I want to go here? My goodness, my goodness, I guess I do. Let me just let me just think on this for a second. Yeah. Yeah, I guess it's okay. Oh, do you have a secret? Do you have a secret belief? <laughs> like <laughs> like do you interpret the Bible a certain way and you don't tell anybody about it? Because it's like a little bit, you know, maybe like a difficult subject. Or maybe you'd have to explain too much of it to, like, justify just casually mentioning it one day. (laughs) Yeah, I've got those. Oh, my goodness. And they eat you up because you're like, you want to share it. But you're like, do I share it? Do I I share it? Is it it worth the trouble (laughs) of having to explain myself? And if I do share it and there's negative repercussions for it, what does that mean? What does that look like? You guys feel that? Ugh. Yeah. Yep, I do. And is it worth the trouble? Is? If it's truth, if it's a truth, then is the compassionate thing to hold it back? Or is the compassionate thing to share it because it's life-changing? Or, or is it more like Jesus when he told his disciples, look, I've got some things I want to tell you, which are obviously true. But I can't tell I can't tell you yet. In fact, I'm gonna get out of here and send the spirit before I tell you. <laughs> you know, which kind of reminds me of you know, when uh, ministers would like write a book, like Homer Haley, I think he wrote a book and he didn't have it published until he died. Mark Twain did the same thing, I believe. And several other people have done it too. It's like I'm gonna send you that, but wait till I'm out of here first. Yeah, there's some stuff I got in, my, in the back of my brain that's like that. It's like stuff that I wanna talk about. But is it safe to talk about? So, and it's not even things that like, I'm necessarily concrete on. It might be even suspicions that I have. You know, like There's some subjects. Let me think of an example. Okay, like take, take a few of the cultural subjects today. Um, you know, big cultural issues. Uh, climate change, uh, abortion, uh, the LGBTQ stuff. What are some other... Da, 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 da. Oh, like religious pluralism... Um, you know, stuff like that. Stuff that you've already heard him and you've already started to cringe. Um, I would love to talk about that kind of stuff. I would love to have healthy debates about that kind of stuff. I would love to take 
both sides of those debates just for the sake of practice, you know, just for the sake of iron and iron sharpens iron kind of thing, you know? And yet subjects like that are so divisive that it's like, is, is it even worth doing that? Like, is it even worth bouncing ideas off each other because of, of what could lay in its wake? Which I think it is. I think it is worth it. But how do you convince yourself that? How do you convince yourself that that's okay? And maybe that goes back to the thing about being at home. Oh, oh, that's why that came to mind. Because you can't really have those conversations unless you feel at home. And if you don't feel at home, and you try to force those conversations, then that just gives way to division. And so, so having a place where you do feel at home is vital in having those difficult conversations that do matter, that are right there in front of us, you know, every single day in the news and the media, at our schools, at our jobs, or whatever. It's like, I want to talk about them, but my goodness, if you do, the whole world's going to explode. Everybody immediately has an opinion, lines are drawn, and now it's time to fight. And so you can't have like an actual serious in-depth, sincere conversation about it without having like, you know, hours of, <laughs> you know, TiVo to whatever, uh, Fox News and CNN on your back porch. I mean, goodness, what have we done to ourselves? Ugh, what else we got? Hang on, let's just lay it all out there. Ooh, so I got this new position at church. Um, we have this like co-ministry thing going on. We had three ministers. We'd go one week, one week, one week. So I'd preach every three-ish weeks or so, depending on whether or not we had like a guest speaker or, you know, whatever. And uh, one of our ministers uh, recently stepped down due to health concerns. Uh, so y'all keep y'all keep uh, Tom in your prayers, please. He's got a lot going on, more than what I think he led on. Uh, but anyways, that leaves me and Gary. Well, the way they've decided to kind of divvy up the responsibilities, since I'm paid and Gary is uh, not paid, he's not a he doesn't hold a staff position at the church. They do pay him for his sermons, but he signs the check and puts it back into the collection plate, basically. Um, I'm going to be taking three of those sermons a month, and Gary will take the other one. The trouble with that is that I'm so afraid of my pride getting in the way. I'm afraid of making it about me, and I'm afraid of of like a of like a hero complex developing. You know what I mean? I don't want that to happen, and I want people to come to our church because of Jesus. You know, not because there's a young hotshot preacher or something. You know what I mean? Is that? And I've heard that language used, you know, like, uh, you know, we want one guy, we want one preacher, we want one voice. Yeah, but the one voice is Jesus. Ah, get that away from me. <laughs> I don't want to talk about that. <laughs> don't don't use those words to describe me. The one voice is Jesus Christ and him crucified. That's the one voice. It doesn't matter if the guy that's saying that is, you know, 5'11 and a half, six foot on his driver's license, you know, with brown hair and uh, razor burn, or if he's you know, five eight ish, five nine, five ten. I don't know. And bald and has a long beard. Like, ugh. Just don't mention about <laughs> that kind of stuff to me. You know, <laughs> get that away. Get thee behind me, Satan. You know what I mean? Like, I don't want to think it's about me. It's because it's not about me. It's about God. If it was about me, I wouldn't have ever put my neck on the line to 
stand by my convictions. I would have just towed the line and preached and got a good paycheck and, you know, stayed in a relatively comfortable situation. I mean, my goodness. Ugh. Is it weird to be worried about that? Or is it natural? Do you guys worry about stuff like that? I don't know. Paul, you know, he said that he didn't even remember who he baptized in 1 Corinthians 1. And that, by the way, isn't that cool that God, like, inspired Paul to write that, but he used Paul's lack of information to communicate that? I don't even remember who I baptized. Oh, wait, I did, I did baptize that guy and that guy and that guy in that household, but I'm glad I didn't baptize any of you other folks. <laughs> you know, God worked in his ignorance to produce scripture. It's really interesting. But anyways, Paul was always like, no, this is not about me. This is about Jesus. Like, stop. <laughs> stop looking at me. <laughs> That's kind of how I feel. And I, I'm afraid that being put into the spotlight is going to tempt me in, you know, different areas related to pride and selfishness and things like that. I don't want that to happen. Y'all pray for me on that. Y'all pray for me on that. And pray for me to be bold about things that I believe and not to hide behind a paycheck. This is this will be the most that I've ever been paid as a minister. I was already being paid more than I ever had been paid as a minister. Now I'll be getting paid even more than I ever had been getting paid as a minister, taking this new position. And I'm really worried about that because it's it can be difficult for ministers to tell the truth that is what they believe to be true, not what the congregation believes to be true, but what they believe to be true. When those people who are listening and critiquing and thinking are the ones signing the paycheck, it's a huge temptation. And so far, I've been mostly successful, I think, in putting that on the line. But that becomes exceedingly difficult as the number goes up, does it not? So it's kind of concerning to me. So y'all, y'all just uh, keep me in your prayers on that, that I can be bold in the truth as I see it without fear of what tomorrow may hold. Something that I've kind of been pondering the past few months. Whew, I don't know. It's 12.37 now, probably about time to go to bed. Actually, it's time to watch MASH until I fall asleep, and then I'll like wake up, deposit, and then go lay down in bed. <laughs> but I drank way too much coffee at Waffle House, finishing schoolwork to go right to sleep. Uh, anyways, hey, thanks for hanging out with me. If you If you stayed through this long whatever good on you appreciate that appreciate having a friend like you that i can confide in all however many of you there are (laughs) y'all have a great day great night or whatever time it may happen to be where you are and let's never forget that we're all in this together if you don't feel at home where you are know that you can feel at home with me It doesn't matter what you believe, where you are in your life. It doesn't even matter if you're a believer, if you're agnostic, or if you're listening to this podcast just to critique me. That's okay, too. You're at home with me. You can trust me. I will be willing to accept you as Christ Jesus has accepted me. I'll be willing to welcome you as Christ Jesus has welcomed me for the glory of God. And just know that I'm a safe person to talk to, even if everybody else in your life forsakes you. You can count on Daniel C. Rogers, otherwise known as DR, otherwise known as Dan, and many other names and nicknames I've been given over the years. You can count me. Count on me. Because I have put all of my trust in the one who sustains all 
things. Love you guys. See you next week with Shane Claiborne to talk about the death penalty. And if you uh, support the death penalty or do not support the death penalty, then you will love his episode <laughs> because he challenges all of us equally to live more like Christ. See ya.